This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Balls. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, I'm sure, barring any incident at all, is Lyle Fulton. And I'm joined, as I know I always will be, by the absolutely brilliant Jackie Balls. Jackie, Thursday afternoons again. Can't help but feel like we're at home always when we record on Thursday <laughs> no, afternoons. It's absolutely... leaving everything to the last minute. <laughs> I mean, there's also, there's that, isn't there? We are leaving everything to the last minute a little bit. And, you know, sort of the magic, we, we often speak, listeners, don't we, and viewers on our YouTube channel, about the magic of podcasting, about the fact that we kind of record things well ahead of time. And sometimes we record one or two on the same day. And it's great. We have so much, you know, in, in the cam ready to sort of edit. And actually, increasingly, because things are just so busy and it's all been a bit mad at the start of 2024, we are literally hell for leather getting them recorded and then releasing them so they are at least listeners and viewers very fresh for your eyes and ears but how are you this fine thursday this this well actually i was going to say fine but it's been pretty miserable today hasn't it this, yes, this sort of slightly it, miserable thursday afternoon how are you doing i'm good i am absolutely fine everything's been chock-a-block i've got a bit of a toothache yeah. and i know you're not feeling particularly well I'm a um, bit, I'm a bit, yeah, I'm a bit, as my dad would say, I'm a bit crook, as it were. I sort of got a bit of a, bit of a sore, bit of a sore tummy, as it were. Um, and 30 year olds and adults still get, can still call it a tummy and can still call it a sore tummy. Um, I, I particularly enjoyed your intonation of, I'm absolutely fine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I think it has been a bit of a week, hasn't it? In our current situation with everything that's happening in the world, you know, we are fine. We are absolutely fine. You know, we you know we have food in our tummies, and we have in and and maybe not staying in our tummies when it comes to you. But and that's a fair point. That's a no. fair speculation you make. <laughs> uh, but there you are. I mean, no, no, it's it's a really good point, isn't it? And obviously, listeners, I mean, we don't say we don't like to date the podcast. I mean, increasingly, we are dating the podcast because they're coming at you um, as soon as we've recorded them, more or less. But and this is not not going to be the subject of our podcast today, but. You're absolutely right with everything going on in the world right now and continuing to go on in the world as it stands. Obviously, everything that's you know going on in Gaza and there was chaos yesterday in the Commons, which we won't address today. But it was just, I think someone, I think the Palestinian envoy to the United Kingdom described it as British politics at its absolute lowest, which I, I find it difficult to disagree with if I'm being honest. And then there's also all sorts of other things going on in the world. You're right, yeah. I think absolutely fine is a very very good way of putting it. You know, we have food, we have you know water we can sustain Safety, ourselves electricity yeah power <laughs> you know exactly and so, I and so take a painkiller for my sore tooth exactly and and i'm sure in the fullness of time i will feel okay again in the next <laughs> sort of day or two so that's all good as well this is the thing and i think it's, it's very very important to just realize how, how lucky we are in the midst of of everything that's going on in the world right now segway <laughs> bell alert segway klaxon it's obviously very important that we all consider how lucky we are because <laughs> Currently, I don't have any heat on me when it comes to sort of the press and sort of any allegations against me, to the best of my knowledge. Not that there ever would be. Jackie is also in the same position, beautifully heat-free when it comes to press <laughs> allegations. Someone who maybe is potentially not considering how lucky he is right now, albeit he's still in a very fortunate position, a position that lots of other people would love to be in, is Christian Horner, who is at Red Bull. He's like the head of the Red Bull F1 racing team. And Jackie and I have decided that this episode of the podcast, we'd like to focus on sort of the crisis communications side of the ongoing controversy, the ongoing scandal that's affecting the Red Bull F1 racing team, which involved allegations of an as yet unnamed nature, although, you know, we can speculate as to what they might be, of inappropriate behavior by their team boss, 
Christian Horner. And Jackie and I, before we went live on the podcast, because we sort of just decided that we were going to do it on this today, Jackie and I sort of discussed how it's a kind of, well, not unique, but it's an interesting way Red Bull have decided to approach this and how Christian Horner has decided to approach this. And then we very nearly got into a little bit of a debate about whether or not we like him. And then we thought, let's just click record because that sounds like it would be good to actually just talk about on the podcast. So first things first, Jack, I mean, we can't really go into details about what the allegations actually are because we don't have any of them. Well, we do. Yeah, go for it. We do. And this is why it's great for us to do this absolutely live because me and Lau genuinely have not discussed this at all. This is it. But in a German newspaper, apparently over the last couple of days, there was a publication of a little bit more detail about the allegations. And, and they sort of apparently were in email form and there was inappropriate messaging. So and I see. Um, allegedly... Red Bull or Christian Horner or a combination thereof have tried to shut this new newspaper down and sort of hit it with a libel suit. And but that's you know, but again, that's almost hearsay because you just don't know what you believe when you read it in the press at the moment. And uh, yeah, you're right, we don't know really what it is, and you can only uh, surmise. But what we do know is that he's in a bit of hot water. That's one way of putting it, for sure. And and his name is out there as somebody who has behaved inappropriately to a female member of staff, whatever that was. And I said to Lyle, you know, what do you feel about him? How do you feel about Christian Horner? And Lyle said, I don't know if I really like him very much. And, and this I, is it, well, yeah. that's, that's really good because I do. There you go. And, and so this is now, it diametrically opposed because you're in the sort of like oh, there are things about him I don't like and there for me there's a lot I do like so so one imagines then I mean do you not like Toto Wolf no I really like Toto Wolf okay great okay so this is the thing so what's interesting is that actually one of the things that's made Formula One so good over the last decade obviously drive not to was survive. drive to survive which is absolutely brilliant Netflix TV program absolutely wonderful and it sort of covers the entire landscape of Formula One from the kind of controversies and the arguments and the fallings out to, I mean, obviously there was that extraordinary sort of series of a couple of episodes outlining what happened to poor Roman Grosjean a few years ago, sort of the man who emerged from the fire of his F1 car and somehow emerged unscathed. And, you know, just all that drama and that trauma sort of, again, beautifully articulated in the form of this Netflix documentary, this sort of fly on the wall Netflix documentary follows all the drivers. Absolutely. I'm sure I speak for Jackie as well. If you haven't, Watch this documentary yet. Absolutely go and check it out because it is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, I mean, Drive to Survive has made it absolutely brilliant. But I think Drive to Survive kind of came off the back of it going through a bit of a renaissance because for years we had Schumacher dominate and then we had Lewis Hamilton dominate, you know, sort of in the early, well, sort of late 2000s, early 2010s. He just sort of won championship after championship. And then we started to have intra-team controversy Hamilton versus Rosberg within his own team and who was going to win the championship there who was being favored as the number one driver and obviously recently we've had Max Verstappen against Lewis Hamilton and what's been great about that is it's not just Max Verstappen against Lewis Hamilton it's Toto Wolf versus Christian Horner or you know the other way around Christian yeah, Horner versus Toto the, Wolf. I think what what has happened I mean if you're an avid Formula One follower like we are 
I mean, I'm mad about it. You're mad about it. We really didn't need the Netflix Drive to Survive documentary to get our passions going about F1. I mean, I've been watching it as a real fan for 20, 20 years. So, you know, from my perspective, the, the Drive to Survive documentary was a really interesting picture of the sort of the 360 degree nature of F1 from, you know, the different members of the team, the management of the team, the sponsors, where the money was coming from, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of sort of the personalities of all of the people, I think the thing that the the, the Drive to Survive documentary has done is that it's brought the managers really front and centre into the stardom side of things. It's no longer just the drivers who are taking all of the attention. It is people like we just said, oh, you don't you like Toto Wolf? I mean, 10 years ago, you wouldn't even know the Toto Wolf or the Christian Horner. Correct. You wouldn't know the, the 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 man who is managing the team. But nowadays, because of Netflix and because of, you know, just generally, I think the the accessibility of the sport through broadcast and podcasts and social media and everything else, we now have these new figureheads. And I, I, to a certain extent, you know, these are petrol head guys who have become figureheads yeah. and having to manage, they're having to be the money men, they're going to, they have to be dealing with the sponsors and the brands, they have to be dealing with the team dynamics, they have to be dealing with the engineering, you know, there's a lot they have to handle. And I think, you know, having been now propelled into the spotlight, they ha- are now having to deal with that aspect of celebrity. And I think that that's what you see and that's what I see. And and, and you could argue that Toto Wolf might be a, a little bit of a, a nicer man on television. I don't know. I don't I like even the- think it's that. I don't even think it's that. Um, so many brilliant points you've just made. I mean, the first thing, I just sort of kind of go off on a, a very, very small tangent quickly. You mentioned, and I think it was a brilliant point you made about sort of increased technology and the scope of the sport being what it is. Obviously, Formula One being this incredibly exciting sport that people become very obsessed about, become massive fans of. I mean, the tangent I was just going to go on is, and you know, I love a football analogy. If we had an analogy bell somewhere, it'd be right next to the Segway bell, which is that actually... You're not allowed to bring a football analogy into this because it's F1. You, you've got all the... Well, no, but, this, yeah, but, but I was going to say is this, is that, you know, decades ago, the great Liverpool sides of, of, of oh, English football, Nottingham Forest, right, okay, it was the teams. The, te- the teams would compete. So that was a bit like just following Hamilton and Verstappen. And I would argue that when the Premier League hit, and particularly when Arsene Wenger came over and started managing Arsenal, and it was billed as like Man United versus Arsenal wasn't just the teams playing against each other. It was billed as now Wenger versus Ferguson, sort of, you know, the old guard in Ferguson. And that's when we started to see in sport management, thrust into the limelight as well as the teams who play and i think formula one has now sort of you know usurped it almost but if not usurped it sort of you know has the same sort of vibe about it which is that it's not just hamilton versus verstappen it's not just mercedes versus red bull or ferrari versus red bull it's now christian horner versus toto wolf alongside that that's another kind of little sideshow if not the main event at times and what's interesting another brilliant thing you said is technology being what it is and the broadcast of f1 means that I actually find, I don't know about you, and I agree with you entirely about the fact that I just really love watching F1. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Some of the most compelling moments in F1 broadcasts, in Grand Prix broadcasts, are the radio communications from the bosses to the drivers. That's some of the most compelling drama is 
what you think I should do this strategy and the drivers disagreeing with their bosses and the bosses talking to, you know, the, the referees and talking to sort of, you know, you know, formula one control and all this sort of stuff that the bosses are almost having their own interactions. I think you're absolutely spot on, but the final brilliant point you made, which I think we're going to dwell on now is this is more of a question for you. Two decades ago, I mean, Red Bull racing didn't exist two decades ago. First thing, right? So let's use another example. Let's say, say for the sake of argument, Ferrari two decades ago, Certainly here in the United Kingdom, Ferrari has its own extraordinary following in Italy. So, you know, this is just very much a unique case to the United Kingdom. We probably wouldn't have known unless we were absolutely fanatical about F1, like an expert on F1, who the team boss of Ferrari was. If allegations like this surfaced about the team boss of a Ferrari or a Mercedes two decades ago, with that lack of knowledge of who they are, do you think it would have been dealt with in the same way that the Christian Horner controversy has been dealt with now. And does the team bosses having such a high profile now affect how things like this are dealt with? Because say for the sake of argument, two decades ago, a driver was accused of something like this because it affects the team in such an extraordinary way. They might decide to go along the same lines as what Red Bull have done with Christian Horner, which is that innocent until proven guilty were conducting an investigation, but, until that investigation is completed, Red Bull is saying, and Christian Horner is saying, it's business as usual. Is that because he's a high-profile individual? And two decades ago, if he was just a name that you could replace and didn't have that profile, didn't have that brand association, would they have just got rid of a Christian Horner two decades ago? Would they have just suspended no. him immediately? And this you know is the interesting thing. I really, two decades ago, they had different, they had different standards. Yeah. Two decades ago, they had, you know, the, the race girls walking around with nearly nothing on. And, you know. That's true. That's true. To and be they fair. would be saying it was, it was a young lady's fault if, you know, her bum got patted. Mm. So, no, I actually think that in those days, as we probably know, you know, the likes of, uh, I wouldn't say Michael Schumacher, but, you know, the older guys like James Hunt and all the Lotharios in the sport, mm. you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered. No woman two decades ago was probably in the sport to get to be there to accuse somebody of being in, inappropriately behaving. So no, really I don't good point. Know what happened. but I think the really interesting thing is that for me, it's not the implications of what actually happened with the, the, the man and the woman, because we have, we can't judge that. We can't talk about whether that did or they didn't happen for me. The two things to examine are one is how are they handling it in terms of, are they doing what we always ad advise in terms of crisis communications? Have they, you know, have they set out a clear action plan? Have they set out a clear investigation? Have they made it very clear that they're taking everything very seriously and they're following up? And I think they have. I think they've been very direct with their communications. They have immediately opened an investigation. They've been very public about saying they've opened an investigation. Christian Horner has been very public about saying there is an investigation ongoing and yeah. I am supporting that investigation and it you know whatever happens will be a result of that inv investigation but for now I deny all the allegations and for me it is business as usual because I have to start the next Formula One season timing is really unfortunate as well so from my perspective I actually think that we should be saying thumbs up to Red Bull hmm. for how they have very swiftly, publicly, efficiently handled the situation. Yeah. The other thing I say thumbs up to is they have also handled that situation with 
authenticity because Christian Horner is a man that talks to the press incessantly. Almost exclusively. That's part of his job. Always there with a comment. Even during a race, they'll walk up to him in the middle of a race and say, tell me about that, that on-track incident. And he'll happily talk to the to the press and the reporters at the time. He's always he's always actually been the most open of all the team bosses yeah. in, in terms of his approachability and his accessibility for the press. Now, if he had chosen to clam up right now and not embrace these allegations and this situation then that would have been inauthentic and that would have got people talking would have set the alarm bells off wouldn't it yeah i think you're absolutely right it would have it would have caused all sorts of a fury if he just slunk back and said i'm not going to say anything so overall when it looks like how that and whether he's a guilty or not that's up for an investigation it's it's again not for us to to look at or, or or judge. But what we are here to judge, or what I feel we should be here to judge and learn from, is how organisations handle a crisis. And we've talked a lot about really badly handled crises in the past. And, and I do like to take my hat off to an organisation and a communications team that have done it in the right way. And I really do think big hats off to the Red Bull communications team, you've knocked it out of the park, you've addressed it, you've faced the situation head on, you've told the public what is happening, you've given the the key protagonist his normal way of talking to the public, and you've messaged it very well, which is exactly what he should say, which is, I don't think that I'm guilty, and therefore I'm going to carry on as normal until such a time that the investigation results come out and then the decision will be made on what happens. And you know what? In many ways, I think that's, you know, that's probably justly done. I mean, we do say in court, innocent till proven guilty. Correct. And the worst thing about our press is that guilty until proven innocent usually applies if people don't handle crisis situations the way that Red Bull has. So. I think it's an absolutely brilliantly handled situation. The next thing that I think we need to think about is how does that affect the money side of the the business? Yeah, massively. The sponsorships, the operations, the deals, because even a sniff of something going wrong from a non-PC perspective makes brands go into a little bit of a hibernation or well, this is a brilliant point this is a this is a fantastic point and I, I agree with everything you've said by the way and actually just going back to authenticity you're so right and we've obviously covered the fact that he said that it's business as usual at red bull something you also said in the press conference when the launch happened early this week and they just launched their new car and very exciting for f1 fans as well from a purely sporting perspective testing is underway and so all of a sudden we sort of have a bit of an understanding of who are going to be the runners and riders i mean it's going to be max verstappen again almost certainly but obviously it's hamilton's final season so there's a lot of intrigue already and you said the timing was unfortunate i mean the timing for the press couldn't be better because obviously like there's already intrigue when it comes to f1 because we're on the advent of a new season etc etc but he also called it a distraction and that's about the most authentic thing 
I've read about the comments he's made because actually Christian Horner is, and you know, you, you really like him. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm just saying like occasionally sort of like, you know, he rubs me a bit the wrong way. Maybe it's because I'm Hamilton at heart. And occasionally I think Verstappen can be a bit, you know, I think I need to grow up a bit and sort of realize that Hamilton's the old guard and Verstappen is going to be the guy for the next few years. And he's brilliant. But I think. What your loyalties, you know, you are, you are, a, you know, team you're a German team fan. Well, no, but also Ineos own Mercedes and their chairman, their owner, has just bought 25% of my beloved Manchester United. So I'm kind of team Ineos and they're a big obviously Mercedes. There you, go. there you go. There you go. So he's like peeling away the layers, you know, sort of papering over the cracks of the fact that I'm just biased because the guy who owns Mercedes also owns part of my, like, my beloved Man United. But like, yeah, I mean, calling it a distraction is quintessential Christian Horner not sitting on the fence, isn't it? You know what I mean, if Christian yeah. Horner was going to in any way dilute his approach... Things like, oh, it's a distraction would not be sort of phraseology he would use. But he's sort of just saying, no, it's business as usual. I'm just, it's a distraction, but it's obviously something that I'm cooperating with. But is it and... business as usual? Well, no, this is the thing. And that's what's really interesting because actually we spoke to the wonderful Catherine Channon last week about communicating through change within organizations. And I think hats off to Red Bull for being as transparent as they have been, obviously with the press and with the public. But that transparency, I imagine, also feeds into the organization itself. And I've got friends who work in Formula One, who work for Formula One teams at a variety of different positions, and they are vast teams. Like when they travel all over the world, it's not just the two drivers, 10, 15 mechanics and the team boss. It's like two planes full. They have like 150 staff members travel, depending on the size of the team. But Red Bull is like obviously one of the biggest teams, one of the most valuable teams in F1, one of the most valuable brands in F1. And so you can applaud Red Bull for their communications and their transparency, not just when it comes to the press in the advent of the sporting season starting, but also communication that's been clear publicly feeds into privately within the organization. From a sporting perspective, from the team perspective, it's business as usual, and they will continue to compete because Max Verstappen's a fantastic driver. It's excellent you mentioned brand, though, because that in and of itself is a different thing. Because the team can continue to do well and the brand can be affected by what's going on. And I read, and I think we spoke before we went live on this podcast, Jackie, about the fact that I read in PR Weekly sort of an analysis of the communications. And they alluded to the fact that I think the communications have been very, very good. But a, an expert in crisis comms, her name was Lorna O'Neill, I think former sort of head of crisis comms at Thomas Cook, mentioned that actually something they need to be very aware of is that by adopting this strategy however good a strategy that appears to be and i think we can both agree that their transparency has done fantastic continuing to engage christine horner in these press responsibilities and these press events intertwines him still further with the brand that is red bull to the point where they become synonymous with one another and then if there is any substance to the allegations it's not just Christian Horner's own reputation that will be affected, but as I think you're about to allude to, the brand and sponsorship therein. And it's just well, an interesting address, approach, isn't it? Yeah, let me just address that because I, I haven't read that article, but if she's saying that she would like to sort of try to unravel his associate, his brand association with Red Bull right now because of the association, because they are seen as one and, one and the same, and therefore, if something bad does come out, then that will tarnish the brand. I'm sorry, that job has already been done. Yeah. You know, he is completely intertwined with the brand. And that is a decision that was made a long, long time ago by Red mm. Bull yeah. and the communications people. And and to be honest, a lot of the drivers are intertwined with the brand. You know, you can't really get away from that. Yeah. So to say, oh, you know, you might want to distance him away from the brand a bit now. 
it's pointless you know you make those decisions we make those decisions every day with much smaller brands much sorry I'm sorry to say our brands that we work with are you know smaller than Red Bull but I don't I, I don't I don't think they're going to take offense to be honest I mean Red I Bull is one so. of the biggest brands in the world so I mean we love the clients we work with we'll caveat by saying that but yeah I mean I think Red Bull you know let's just say it gives you wings right okay and like you know, I mean and that's you know one of the most iconic sort of ad campaigns as well so Red Bull as a brand of anything is just this you know sort of soapbox race all this sort of thing so yeah I mean I don't think yeah. you're speaking out of town by saying you know you still make those decisions hmm. So who's going to be a spokesperson for that brand? Yeah. And when you make that decision about the, the people who are representing your brand, you have to take that decision quite seriously because they may well leave your company and your organisation and take whatever they do in the future with everything that you've done for them in terms of propelling them up into the spotlight and giving them media training and everything else, they may well leave your organization and go elsewhere and use the notoriety that you've spent your PR budget putting into them. Or indeed, just like Mr. Horner, they might be getting themselves into a bit of trouble within the organization and therefore or within the industry that they and I know certainly in my little industry that I work in, there are numerous names of people who have got into similar hot water situations with people of the opposite gender and you know you still have to handle those crises in exactly the same way that that Red Bull has so what you need to do and maybe this is what she was saying is make it very clear from your brand standpoint what your values are mm when that thing is going on with the person who's associated with your brand. So I think I'm hoping I haven't read it, but I'm hoping that was the point that she was making was that while you've got this person who's so intrinsically connected with your brand in trouble and therefore that could damage your brand, you have to be at the same time as handling these things authentically, openly, positively, efficiently and fairly to all the parties concerned you should also be communicating what your brand values are. And this is why I keep reminding back to the fact that every company, no matter how big, how small, needs to start with their values. Yeah. Sometimes I think companies just trot them out because other people do it on their websites and go, well, what will our values be? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're diverse. Yeah, yeah, we've got somebody who's a woman <laughs> somewhere downstairs making the coffee. Brand values are so, so important. They carry you through danger situations, but they also drive you to success. Because if you stick by your values and you really do uphold your values, you will be successful. Absolutely right. And it comes down to preparation as well. It comes down to transparency. It comes down to just like essentially communication. I mean, you're so right. I mean, but again, I'll have to send you this article after we finish this, uh, this podcast. It's actually really interesting because another a PR uh, expert in the area of crisis comms is somebody called Mark Borkowski, I believe. Um, yes, he's always... Uh, and there it is he's doing it for years <laughs> <laughs> there we go and mark if you are listening come, yeah, come on, on down come, come on down, down. We got this. i mean th this th i mean I, th I think you're alluding to a very similar thing he says though sort of right towards the end of this um, article which is that in the end crisis pr is not just about managing the crisis itself it's also about safeguarding trust reputation and ultimately 
the soul of the brand. And I would argue that what That's Red what Bull, I was saying is exactly what you just said. And I would argue that what Red Bull have done. I mean, when it comes to the soul of the brand, Christian Horner being entwined with the brand is the soul. Like you know, you could argue rightly or wrongly, Christian Horner represents the soul of Red Bull racing the, the red bull f1 team you know because he has been synonymous with their success and how they've grown over the last three or four years the way he approaches it is also the sort of the soul of the brand the way he approaches speaking to the press speaking to his own team members speaking to his colleagues and and you know competitors in f1 but you know safeguarding trust i think is a fantastic phrase and actually i think counter to what lorna O'Neill says in this article what lorna O'Neill says in this article about you know, whether or not it's okay that they continue to roll. I feel bad using this phrase because he's not being rolled out, isn't he? Christian Horner is his own man, you know, but that's the only phrase I can think of. Continue to roll Christian Horner out of these events, and these launch events and these press engagements. She's Her allegation that him being in front of the press and speaking the way he always does and calling it a distraction and saying it's business as usual, if, you know, things do come to fruition and the result is a negative one for Horner and for Red Bull, you know, S will hit the fan. Well, safeguarding trust how are you supposed to trust red bull racing if they do what you suggest and take him out like where does the trust go then i think that's what you're saying is that actually a, a strategy that involves completely taking him away from it and not having him operate as he usually would it's not authentic it's not authentic, it's and, and, authentic to the brand. and people and who exactly, engage with the brand lose trust don't they yeah and it, you know in it actually shows how you handle each crisis according to the crisis itself. Mm. So if Christian Horner was still in a danger position of working in the same situation with this woman, I think it is a woman that's made the allegations, mm -hmm. then you need to, to handle that situation. And you need to make sure that there is no possibility of that person being hurt or damaged again. So you have to do all the right things. So sometimes when we've looked at other crises, we've said you need to take them out of that situation. You need to, you know, we, you need to act fast and stop the situation from continuing. To my view, Red Bull has done that, or that is no longer a possibility that either individual can get harmed of being in the same workplace as each other. But, you know, there are you have to handle each situation according to the situation mm. while at the same time. And, and that in itself is something that gives people trust yeah. because you have shown that you have taken the situation seriously. You are doing something about it and you are not passing judgment until everything has been examined properly and fairly and justly. Now, nobody can argue with the, the logic and the credibility of that statement that I've just given. I mean, it's very logical, but you do find people trying to fudge things, throw things, you know, nudge things under the carpet, pretend they didn't happen. You know, in other organisations that we have actually examined, a lot of that push it under the carpet, pretend it's not going on uh, this morning and Philip Schofield. That happened for years. And then it really blew up into a monstrous scandal. So again, you know, I'm like... Big tick, Red Bull, big tick for handling it, 
addressing it, yeah, not, not pushing it under the carpet, you yeah. know, not saying, look, this guy is the head of our organization. He is God. We're not going to do anything to damage things because our sponsors might get upset, which yeah. is what ITV did, which is what this morning did by trying to cover it all up. They've gone, no, straight in. We're dealing with this. Christian, you do your normal thing. Because otherwise, you know, what else would you normally do? So yeah. you carry on, but you make sure that you respect the process, which he has said out at very outright. I respect the process. I respect what's going on. I can always claim my own part in that process. They they literally, if you if you juxtapose what has actually happened with Christian Horner and this individual and what happened to ITV with Philip Schofield, tell me which company you'd prefer to put your brand dollars into i'm I'm almost certain i'd probably prefer to work for red bull because (laughs) i mean but that's not even just like from a from a jovial perspective of obviously red bull are an organization that's sort of you know pay employees certainly at a high level you know colossal amounts of money but actually from a purely pr perspective like i feel i would feel better as an employee of red bull that all i'm hearing is comps all i'm hearing is messaging all i'm hearing is like what we're doing about it and there's an investigator you know ITV, there are people who probably knew this was going on and were basically sort of, you know, hushed for several years because that was not the way we were approaching it. Then it all comes out and all of a sudden, again, S hits the fan. And they're probably sat there thinking, well, you know, I've worked for this organization for five or six years, knowing some of this stuff has been going on, not not the details. I've had to keep quiet. It's been very anxiety inducing. It's been very stressful. And all of a sudden, the, you know, the communication is all very muddy. I think from a perspective, as an employee prospective employee i'd certainly prefer to work for red bull as an organization because they've been very transparent and they've been very decisive and incisive in the way that they've strategized and in the way they put forward their communications crisis communications in this instance from a sponsorship perspective absolutely especially as i think and again i'm trying i'm going to try and put myself in the mind of these sort of high level you know corporate individuals who agree these sponsorship agreements and sponsorship deals with, with f1 teams and negotiate these things the F1 season starts a week on Saturday in Bahrain. I mean, it basically started this week when it came to testing, but it starts a week on Friday, really, if you think there's going to be practice and there's qualifying. The Bahrain Grand Prix is the 2nd of March, mm. I believe. It starts with the sprint race, and then the, the Grand Prix proper is on the 3rd of March. It's a week to go, essentially. You're a sponsor of one of the biggest, if not currently the biggest F1 team competing in this year's championship. And you're probably at the table going, right, what are we doing about this? What are you doing about this? And their response could not have been clearer business as usual so maintain your business with us as usual and we'll just keep doing what we're doing on the track to which i imagine the sponsor goes that could not have been easier that could not have been an easier call that could not have been an easier meeting right until things happen right no heat on us i don't agree no no because if i was and then if i'm advising the sponsor interesting okay yeah in this this instance I would be advising that sponsor to think very seriously about the consequences of this spinning out and what can happen thereafter, you do not know. So I'd be advising the sponsor to not jump quickly to any decisions yet, but be prepared for the different outcomes. That's it. Well, that's but I actually it, yeah. don't think it's very easy for the sponsors either, because let's face it, Let's look at ITV and Philip Schofield. Look at Philip Schofield. The number of sponsorships that were whole—you know—they they saw them saw him as a wholesome family brand. You know, a trusted family presenter of 
Saturday night shows, the vanilla ice cream shows, like dancing on ice. So all of those brands just saw, you know, them going to the daddy. You know, this was a daddy character, a safe pair of hands character. Were they ever to know that what came out was actually, you know, a bit torrid and a bit tawdry? To be honest, you know, nobody lives an innocent life and we all have, well, I don't know about you, but, you know, I I would say from my worldly experience, there's a lot of skeletons in a lot of cupboards and a lot of people have different... Skeletons in the closet is a phrase that's mentioned in this article as well, yeah. Yeah, but for the brands that are looking at their involvement with Red Bull right now, if I was advising them, I'd be asking them to think what the different scenarios could be and what their communications and their decision-making would be as a result of the consequences of the investigation. Yeah. So it's actually not easy for them. You know, they can't sit back and go, oh, okay, well done, Red Bull. You're handling this really well. Because even if Red Bull are really handling it very well, which I think they are, down the line, we don't know what what has actually happened. We don't know what kind of a S-storm could just spring up out of all of this investigation. And there are probably more high-level conversations happening with sponsors than there are actually happening with the press, because actually there'll be some people in positions of power out these sponsors who might actually be more aware of how far the investigation has gone because maybe things like this are on yeah, a basis. Yeah, and you know what, Niles? Little things leak out. Like yeah. another um, allegation that sort of leaked out out of foreign press reporting is that hush money was paid to this individual mm. as well. Yeah. So or offers that. of hush money to be paid were made. Who knows? Who knows? So you yeah. just don't know whether you want to be associated with that brand in six months, 18 months. So I think it might well damage Red Bull right now from a financial standpoint, from a sponsorship standpoint, because if I was on the, the verge of signing a sponsorship deal right now, I would not be putting pen yeah, to paper. I'd be holding the pen up. And actually I stand corrected on it, but based on what you just said to me, but also something I've just thought about as well on how easy it would be and how easy these meetings and these calls. I mean, based on earlier information I've said in this podcast, it's a week today, right? And actually, you know, it's not like you're sponsoring an idea or you're sponsoring a theory. They're sponsoring an F1 team. Let's be honest. They're sponsoring, they're sponsoring a car, right? They're sponsoring yeah. a car and they're sponsoring a driver and drivers who wear the Red Bull uniform when they get in the car. So in a week's time, their brand will be on their car. And so actually it's not easy at all, is it? Because they're going... I mean, I think lots of those deals are already done. If you think about the yeah. Liberty and, and all of the, the... And then it's removed, isn't it, down the line? But, but then there's the knock-on effect. Just, I mean, you know, again, without using a football analogy, so, you know certain people within the football industry, certain players who sort of done, you know, sort of have been accused of doing things and been found guilty or otherwise have sponsorship deals like boot deals, kit deals that then like, you know, the sponsor then has to go, we've cancelled our boot deal with X and Y player, but they can't just cancel it and then just take the boots off them. Like, you know, deals run and there's a notice period and that footballer, if he's still allowed to play professional football is then still wearing their merchandise and it'll be the same thing if certain sponsors are having an ring about continuing to sponsor red bull and be involved with red bull racing and have decided well you know we're not sure we're uncertain the notice period is going to be longer than a week so in a week's time their yeah. brand will still but be on the car clauses yeah. written into contracts about yeah. bringing a brand into disrepute and all those sort of things I, I tell you what the only people making hay out of this particular bun fight are the lawyers oh yeah, yeah. They, you know, they're going to be like, woohoo, 
here we go. This is it. And 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 the press... nice juicy bit of lawyering to be done. Yeah. There. Yeah, rubbing their hands together, brilliant. Yeah, they're all coming to me. You know, an F one team wants us to be uh, wants to be their representation. Do they now? Brilliant. Last I checked, there was billions of pounds in Formula One. I yeah. mean, where where do we stand now? This is we bring this episode to a close. I mean, where we stand is exactly what Jackie and I've just said. Where we, as the podcast stand, is Lorna O'Neill, former head of comms at Thomas Cook, uh, Mark Borkowski, uh, who Jackie appears to be aware of, come on the podcast. More importantly, Christian, I know you're busy. Right. I know the F1 season starts very soon, right? But, you know, Jackie and I, we're aware of time differences. I know you're in the Middle East at the moment. We'll be fine. We can make it work. Come on the podcast. Jerry. Jerry <laughs> Halliwell. We haven't even got to talking about her. Former Spice Girl Jerry Halliwell, now Jerry Horner. Come on the podcast. And I suppose, obviously, like, you know, she's also, we, we haven't really heard too much from her. Just bring this episode to a close. We haven't heard too much from her. I mean, it's worth sort yeah, of that's entirely appropriate. And yes. you know, she's definitely, her, again, being very authentic with that. Mm. No, she's always been the wife of. Yeah. She's never been a Spice Girl in Formula yeah. One. She's always the been last... the wife of. Yeah, exactly and right. And she's doing exactly what she's always done. You know, I, honestly, I think you could not handle this situation as it is any better. Any different. Yeah. But there's still, still more to come. Oh, well, this is it. And this is the thing. I think actually, just to bring this episode to a close, I, I've agreed with absolutely everything you said. And I, I agree with that last thing you just said as well, which is this. You couldn't have handled it any better because... Handling it differently would pose more questions than answers before more questions are posed, because there will be more questions posed. And actually, as it stands, handling it the way they've handled it means that there are no, there can be no questions. There can be no new questions currently, because it's just business as usual when we're dealing with it. And when the new questions arrive at our desk, we'll answer them accordingly and we'll deal with it appropriately. We'll deal with it the same as we've dealt with it now. But yeah, doing anything differently than the way they've done it would have then just created more clamor created a lack of trust it would have been inauthentic so i think yeah you know hats off to red bull you know red bull in particular the team the organization christian horner you know i respect what he's done in 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 the in the sport and i respect him as a professional jackie and i can agree to disagree on, on sort of what he's like as a as a bloke in front of the cameras i'm a toto man at heart no mikey no i mean like that iconic iconic you know toto it's called motor racing. No, Mikey, no. Just like watch Drive to Survive. It's absolutely amazing. That season, watch it. But listeners, thank you so much. You can make your own mind up as well. We'd love you to sort of get in touch with us and see what your opinions are on this particular set of circumstances. But a few T's and C's before we let you go and make your own minds up about this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with us with a topic or if you fancy being a guest on the podcast, you can do so. Email us info at the rest is or info at demozo.com. We'll respond to both of those email addresses. Head to both of those websites as well. The rest is PR.com for all things, the podcast, demoza.com for all the brilliant work that Demoza are getting up to. I mean, like we say, we're recording these episodes and then releasing them the following day because it's just so blue and busy at Demoza at the moment. So definitely check out what Demoza has been up to. Follow Demoza on social media as well. Follow Jackie on social media. You won't regret it. She's brilliant. So Jackie's social media has been on fire recently. You can also follow us on social media at The Rest Is PR on X, formerly Twitter, capital T, capital R, capital I, capital PR, and also LinkedIn. Follow myself, uh, Lara Fulton or Jackie Boars, and you can message us on there as well if you'd like to come on the podcast. Jackie, same time next week. It's going to have to be because we literally are editing in them and then we're, we're just firing them out. So yeah, what do you reckon? Same time next week. I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I hope so. There might be more info. On the on the eve of the F1 season starting, there might be more info yeah. to check in on Let's that. Do a follow up very quickly. Very quick follow up just to see what's happened. Thank you so much, though, once again, listeners, for joining us on the latest episode of The Rest Is PR. But for now, from Jackie and myself, 
Take care of yourselves. It's bye for now.